Today's reading is from Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. These are the words of our Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. We're glad to have you here today. I also want to take a moment to thank all of those here who are on YouTube Live. We're glad to have you. Uh, Today, we are going, ending the series. I get the the pleasure of ending the series, Rest, from Burnout to Balance. So, uh, real quick, so today we will uh, be looking at the purpose for resetting our lives and moving from that burnout state to balance. So the question then would be, why do we want to slow the pace, keep our tank full, not go to bed angry, and live a productive life? Not so that we can live a life of selfishness, but a life of significance. See, this series, we covered, kind of going to this, the verse of today, uh, today's verse from Ephesians, covering why we should be wise and make the best use of our time, and, and to understand what the, will of, what the will of the Lord is. So having good boundaries and margin in life is about cutting out the superficial things, the trivial things that don't really matter, so that we can have more time, more energy, more money for things that really do matter, those things that matter most in life. So before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us not to be as the unwise, but as wise that we would learn today what it is to make the best use of our time, that we will not fall prey to foolishness of pride, but that we would see and understand your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So go ahead and grab your notes. Um, We were put here for a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and my life. There is no, and there is no greater pleasure in life than to live out God's purpose for your life. And, and living a life according to God's purpose is doing what matters most. So we're going to cover five questions, five life's most important questions and then also cover in that what here at Desert Breeze we call the five G's, the five G's of, of Christian living or, or the, of, of, of growth. So this first question that you have to ask is what will be the center of your life? See, we become what we are committed to. And a genuine Christian is committed to Christ and a local church family 
and committed to making it and making it public through water baptism. See, the starting point is to acknowledge that we need our need for a relationship with God. And then to recognize that that the only way to that relationship is through Jesus. And that is through a confession of sin and the it's through confession of sin and the lordship of Christ in our lives. And through that we become genuine Christians and and with that a part of the family of God. John 1:12 To all those who receive him Jesus to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Genuine Christians know Jesus and, know, and are known by him. They marvel at his great love and they love him deeply. He has transformed their lives and they desire to love him. And they have been impacted by the love, and they've been impacted by the love of their Savior. See, some people believe that if they grew up in a church and they outwardly practiced these required actions, that that would make them a Christian. And some people think that they are a Christian if they simply believe in God. But going back to the verse I just read, John 1.12, it's you receive, receive and believe in Jesus. Being a Christian is about having a relationship. It's not a title that you earn. Being a Christian, and being a Christian changes a person's life. It changes you. If there's no change happening, then you need to, you're like, well, am I missing it? See, there's a paradigm shift that happens where we go from everything being about you and what is happening in your life to just being in awe of Jesus and what he has already done. The pressure's off. So you have to ask yourself with this, when what is the center of your life is, are you living a life that is self-centered? Is it all about you? Or are you living a God-centered life? It's all about him. And you're in awe of him. And when you, after that, you go to the next point, which is what will be the character of your life? So you're a genuine Christian. You, you've confessed. You receive and believe in Jesus. Now, what is the character? Are you growing? A growing Christian is committed to the disciplines necessary for spiritual growth. This happens through the inspiration and teaching here on weekend services and the fellowship and study in small groups with other believers. Through those things, we grow in our knowledge and love of God, but not to forget Bible study and prayer on our own. So there's those three things. We're, 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 we're attending, uh, we're involved in a local church family attending weekend services. We're, we're also growing by meeting with other believers and studying together and then studying and praying on our own. Here's the thing with spiritual growth. It takes effort. And, 
to be clear, not talking about salvation. Salvation is not about effort. It is a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that's salvation. But when it comes to spiritual growth, 2 Peter 3.18, Peter tells us, continue to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue. It is a continual effort on our part. It takes practice. It takes a level of personal discipline. It is a daily pursuit of holiness. Holiness being becoming more like Jesus. It's a, it's a wake up in the morning every day and say, today I'm deciding to follow Jesus. Today. It's daily. Spiritual growth in his, in, his not, in his doing or is not doing what is comfortable. And it takes effort. I want to read um, just a little bit of the preface of this book, Pursuit of Holiness. Um, and it's, I thought it was a really good explanation of this, this what, what we're kind of thinking there is putting in effort. A farmer plows his field, sows the seed, fertilizes and cultivates, all while knowing that in the, in the final analysis, he is utterly dependent on forces outside of himself. He knows he cannot cause the seed to germinate, nor can he produce rain and sunshine for growing and harvesting the crop. He is dependent on these things from God. Yet the farmer knows he is the farmer knows that unless he diligently pursues his responsibilities to plow, plant, fertilize, and cultivate, he cannot expect a harvest at the end of the season. In a sense, he is in a partnership with God. Farming is a joint venture between God and the farmer. And the farmer cannot do what God must do. And God will not do what the farmer should. See, in the same way, you can accurately say that that is the pursuit of how we're, our holiness. God gives us the, the ability to pursue him. It is through his changing of our heart. But then we are responsible for the, for the planting and the, and the plowing and the harvesting. But he brings the things that we can't, the sun and the, and the rain. So if you want to grow spiritually, you have to put in effort. You have to do what's uncomfortable. So are you gonna, so the question would be then, are you living a life of comfort or for character? Are you putting in the time? Are you, are you making an effort to spend time with your, with your fellow Christians, with Jesus? Spending time with Jesus and his followers. So the next question would be, what will be the contribution of your life? A giving, a giving Christian is committed to giving of their time, talent, and treasures to serve their church family. 
Christians who have learned to give of their time and of their talents and of their treasures to God by channeling them through a a local church are expressing a greater understanding of what God has accomplished in their life. They understand that it's not about those things and that they want to give it to him freely. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 5 and 27, there are different kinds of service to God. Together you form a body of Christ, and each of you is a necessary part of it. So we're, we're looking at this time, talents, and treasures. But what does God want from you? Which one of these? Or all of them? Well, he wants you to give what you value most. And what would be a sacrifice to give. God wants to be your God, not those other things. To give up those, those things for him. 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 8, verse 9. For, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, through his poverty, might become rich. In Corinthians, Paul was saying that Jesus gave up his treasure in heaven in order to make you his treasure. For you are a treasured people. His death on the cross was to make you his treasure. And when you really let that sit in, it will transform your heart in a way that makes him your treasure. Your money, your time, your abilities, they cease to be the measure of your significance. And out of that, you naturally want to bless others with what you have. And to the degree that you grasp this, worldly admiration Worldly praise has no control over you. And you cannot not give of those things. The, uh, in, in Luke chapter 19, at the beginning, there's the uh, story of Zacchaeus. And, um, and he was the chief tax collector. So not just a tax collector, which they didn't like. He was the in-charge tax collector. He was the lead IRS agent, per se. He was the guy that were like, why, why, do we, why do we even need you? Uh, but he, and so he didn't, they didn't like him. But he so was interested, so, so he wasn't able to get to the front to see what was going on, and he wanted to see Jesus. So he did the thing that was culturally despicable for, for a man supposedly of his place in life, to, to climb a tree 
to see him. And as Jesus passes by, he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to dine with you. So Jesus goes and, he, and he's like, yeah, and he's excited and he takes him. And after spending some time with Jesus and his followers, Zacchaeus stood up and said, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus responded with saying, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. See, God's salvation did not come in response to a changed life. The changed life came in response to salvation offered as a free gift. You can't mix those up. You can't earn your salvation. Salvation comes and then the changed life. So here giving comes out of a response to time with Jesus and his followers. Growth through the spiritual disciplines. And then growth comes from genuine faith. So are you going to live a life of getting or giving? And if you're looking at it and it's all about getting, then you got to go back to the next one. Go back. Go back to growth through spiritual disciplines. If you're questioning yourself, you're like, oh, you know what? I think I'm all about, I don't give as freely as I would like to give, or it's not joyful giving. Go back to growth. Go back to his word. Go back to spending time with other believers. So after giving, there's, there's going. And going is what will be the communication of your life. A going Christian is committed to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people throughout the world. So in this, there's a few things I want to cover. So I got a question, something to think about. What are you able to talk about at nauseum and still enjoy talking about it? Or better yet, ask your spouse or your friends the same question. I asked my wife last week, Kim, this question. And I'm sure if you spent any number of time, you might agree with her. Or any time with me, you might, ag might agree with her in this. And she said to me, and I was like, I asked her, I kind of was like, uh, this is a risky thing. What, what do I talk about? And her response was, or, or, you have a lot to say about everything. And it's true, whatever, whatever I'm reading or studying or learning at the moment, I'll just stop and I'll just put the book down and be like, hey, Kim, boy, I got to tell you all these things. And she's like, I know. All right. So, but it's, I get, I just have a lot to say. So we, and, and looking back at my, kind of looking back about my life, and there was a time that I could tell you everything about which player to start on your fantasy football team. Now I have no idea. I mean, if you like that, that's fine. But it's, 
And, then, and there was also a time that I could talk about the statistical nuances of Texas Hold'em. <laughs> this is a game of skill, man. It's not gambling. But current, like, and currently, so those are in the past. Currently, I can tell you a lot about Star Wars and other sci-fi things. Now, there's nothing wrong with knowing these things, but really, what are you known for? You can know a lot of things. There's nothing wrong with that. But what are you known for? What is, the, what is your life communicating? Is your faith something that's just here on the weekend? Or just when you're hanging around other Christians, other believers? That's the only time anybody knows. It's the only time you're willing to pray with anyone. Oh, only when it's safe with other Christians. I don't want to offer to pray for any of my non-Christian friends. They might, you know, not want to be friends with me. I might, might lose a friendship. See, Christians enjoy fellowship with God and others. Or Christians who enjoy fellowship with God and others look beyond the four walls and do what they can to reach unbelievers with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Go then to all the people everywhere and make them my disciples, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19. And then in Acts, he says, and you will be my witnesses, Acts 1, 8. See, for me, I, my thing is I'm looking, when it comes to witnessing, I'm looking and praying for the opportunity to share with others. Personally, I won't bring it up directly. I won't, so I won't force the point. The person doesn't want to hear it, they don't, they don't want to hear it. I offer it though. But if a comment opens the door, you know I'm sticking my foot in it. An example is, is literally this last week, I had a non-Christian friend who commented wanting to give the Bible a read-through to see it for themselves. And I was very excited, though I kind of kept myself reserved. I'm like, oh, really? Why do you want to do that? Like, what do you, what do you, you know, like, that's interesting. And I simply said, I, and I gave him advice. I'm like, I told him I would start with the New Testament. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty good. The stuff about Jesus is in there. More directly. I mean, the whole Bible is about Jesus. But he said he wanted to start at the beginning. I was like, okay, man, that's going to be, like, tell me how much you like that when you get to uh, Leviticus. Um, but I, also, regardless, like, I told him I was there for questions. Hey, when you get there, if you get to some weird stuff, because there's some weird, wonky stuff, just call me, let me know. We'll talk through it. I'll answer the best I can. But, but that brings me to a second point. Witnessing is not about winning an argument. Um, recently, I was driving my son to school, and, I, and he was talking about arguing with his friends. And I asked him the question, is it, is, he'll tell me, he's like, but dad, they're wrong. And I'm like, I know. But is, is winning an argument worth your friendship? And I'm not talking about witnessing. I'm talking about winning the argument. He said it wasn't. And I believe him. 
That makes sense. It's not about winning. It's about loving God and loving them, meeting them where they're at. Too often we have these people that try to poke holes in our faith. And the thing is, when you think about it, they don't really want to know what's true. They don't want this to be true. That's why they're poking holes in it. You also have to understand that they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And you don't have to be emotionally defensive. You can be sad for them. That's, but understand, they're lost. They're, they're blind. The best thing you can do is pray for them and love them. Loving God and loving, and loving others. Those are the two greatest commandments. See, when you make it about winning the argument or us failing to convince them that Jesus is the way, we're making it about us, about what we're doing, self-promotion. It's, it's us doing it. Or if we make it about what we know, we have all the right answers, or not sharing the truth because it really changed our life, again, self-promotion. So the question is, are, are you going to live a life of, of promoting myself? Are we living a life of promoting ourselves or sharing Christ? What's the, what's the motive? And then the last, the fifth G, glorifying. And the question is, what will be the captivation of your life? A glorifying Christian is committed to being a genuine, growing, giving, and, and going. Is, is committed to all those things, all for the glory of God. The full measure of a Christian is living a genuine, growing, giving, and going life all for God's glory. They realize more than ever that we were created by God for God, to give glory to God. God's indescribable glory and our unimaginable satisfaction are one in the same pursuit. Let me say that again, a little differently. Living for God's glory and living an unimaginably, satisfyingly full life are one and the same. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do for all do all for the glory of God. Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your, righteous, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the question would be then, what are... Are you going to live a life for your glory or God's glory? Because if the result isn't a satisfyingly full life, I would question whose glory you're living for. That's kind of the, 
the test. In business, we call them KPIs or key performance indicators. That'd be the KPI there. What is, what is, who's, am I being fulfilled in life? Like, well, then checking whose glory am I living for? Or how are you defining what a satisfyingly full life is? See, in this, this series, we've, we've covered a lot of things. But why? Why do we cover these things? It kind of brings us back to the thing I said at the beginning, and that is having good boundaries and margin in life is about cutting out the superficial things, the trivial things that don't matter so that we have more time, more energy, more money for things that really do matter, that matter most in life. That's living a life in full devotion to Christ. Fullness of life in Christ is the only way to really move from burnout to balance. And that is where we slow the pace, we're keeping our tank full, we're not going to bed angry, and we're living a truly productive life. And that is only truly possible through full devotion to Christ. See, this means you can do all those things. You can do all the things we covered. You can slow down. You, you can recharge, keeping your tank full, anger management, not going to bed angry, and, and doing all the things that make you productive. But you cannot have a satisfying life without living for God's glory. Or on the flip side, it is impossible to live for God's glory without it resulting in an unimaginably satisfyingly full life. See, you can pursue your own pleasure, your own glory, and in the end, it will just be meaningless. Like chasing the wind. You'll never catch it. If you live for your own glory, it doesn't matter what you've accomplished in life. For when it's time to die, all will be lost to time. And if you live a life that matters, living a life for God's glory, that starts to live that life that matters starts with becoming a genuine Christian. And that is acknowledging your need for a relationship with God. And that Jesus is the way to have that relationship. Because it's really, the, the, the amazing thing is, when we, when we focus on his living for him and his glory, the satisfying life is a result. It just, that's the benefit so, but first we start with, with becoming a genuine Christian, and, um, and, th and that's the only way. It really is. So we acknowledge our need for this relationship with God and understand that Jesus is the only way for that. 
you have any questions about anything I talked about, or I'll be up here. Uh, if you'd like to pray, uh, myself and any available leaders will be here also. We'd love to pray with you. I love praying with people. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have come to you today to ask you to make you the center of our lives, to shape our character to be like yours, to open our hearts to give more freely, to share your love more openly, that we would be captivated by your beauty, and that, and that our reason for everything in life, that we, and in all things, would, would be for your glory, for that is where satisfaction truly comes. It is from you, God. We pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Have a great week. And uh, next week is Daniel. So come check it out. We're starting a new series called Daniel. Have a great week.